0: Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder at the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Welcome, Sharon Price John, to That Girl, the podcast. Sharon is the president and CEO of Build a Bear Workshop. She came on in 2013 and since then has turned the company around, making 2021 its most profitable year to date and 2022, its most successful. It also just celebrated its 25th anniversary, making it a multi generational product that is not only standing the test of time, but continuing to thrive. Sharon has served as president of Stride Right Children's Group and held senior director role as Hasbro and Mattel, working on the Barbie line in particular, which I loved. (laughs) She is a mother and a wife and someone who truly understands how to follow her heart. Thank you so much for being here, Sharon. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's just, you have a new book coming out very soon at the beginning of 2023 called Stories and Hearts, which has a little Thank heart you. on it, yeah. which is the whole theme of Build a Bear. We have a little Build a Bear here that you guys see. I see that. It's cute. When I opened the box, I was like, this is a very big box for a book. <laughs> and I opened it up and it was this sweet bear with a little pen in the book. And I was like, I instantly just wanted to cuddle and hold it, which is so <laughs> true of Build a Bear that is so about heart. And that is so much what your book is about, is going through your story personally of how you became you and truly following your heart, which to me, I'm only halfway through the book because I just got it, but you know. And the, the main thing I really hear is that it's about what is your biggest adventure? What is, what is your heart really telling you to do? So, tell me a little bit about how that began for you, because it feels like it started at a very young age, even with climbing the beech tree. So, feel free to just tell me how that wow, all started.
1: That's, wow, that's a, a lead-in, and I, you know, one of the reasons that we include that pen, by the way, is because it's not just a book. You know, it's also a workbook, which you it figure is. out. It, I'm, I'm, I'm not here to to try to like tell people what to do or what not to do. It's really um, just some guideposts on learning to look internally and really getting in touch with your your deepest uh, desires, uh, and you know, then leaning on where your natural talents lie and recognizing that, and putting some goals and plans together. But then recognizing that the journey is so much a part of what makes life exciting. Um, so you can't get. Too sideways when everything's not working out perfectly. In fact, It is always working out perfectly. If you can get a long enough arc on it, (laughs) sometimes hard, Uh, but yeah, the, the beach tree is the first story. It's the opening story, the name of the chapter. And a lot of the chapters have some tongue in cheek kind of Southern humor to them. I can't help myself. I grew up in Tennessee. Um, And that is called life's a beach B E E C H the name of the tree. And it was about, you know, my impossible tree when I was 11 years old that uh, whether I realized it or not, I was probably using as a, uh, as a means to deal with the uh, the grief of, of the death of my grandmother, sort of a distraction during that, that summer. Um, and, and I saw this tree in the midst of um, something that we called the pine woods, uh, where I grew up in a small town. And. I thought, you know, if I could just climb that tree, the tree was so big, these big snaky roots, and I was like, that tree has to have wisdom, you know. <laughs> so I sort of made it my summer goal, uh, and and I, was, no one could ever get to that that one big first limb, but I could see these initials uh, scratched up beyond that, and I'm like, wow, that's proof, right? Uh, but it's it's a journey about me figuring out how to climb this tree. I eventually did get up there, but I don't want to give it away, but I got stuck. So I'm not going to tell the story I got down. But it was uh, for me at that time, being a small child, you know, small, you know, 11 but um, in the middle of the woods, when it's starting to get dark and the cicadas are screaming at you and your parents are going to get mad if the sun sets and you're not home, yeah. um, you know, that's the perfect uh, the, the perfect combination for kid drama. Uh, <laughs> but I, the, the reason I share this story is that often in um, my adult life, many, many years later, Uh, When I would be going to sleep at night, I would take the journey to the pine woods and climb this tree. And I never really could figure out the why behind it. And I thought, I need to figure this out. You know, when when your mind or your soul keeps bringing things back up to you, it's something you need to deal with uh, most of the time. Um, And one day I realized what it was. And it was because it was that moment of me being stuck in this tree after creating this really what felt like a big goal and it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. Like I had to try really hard. I accomplished it. I was sitting up there and then it was bad. I was stuck and this was scary and I was going to get in big trouble for trying to, how was I going to get down? Um, I break a leg, break an ankle. How was I going to get out of this tree? No one could hear me. Um, But I I, of course, clearly I did. uh, I did get out of the tree, but the, the kind of um, epiphany was that, wow, what I did after that experience was I decided whether I knew it or not, That setting big goals was something that I wanted to do in life, even if it didn't go exactly like I thought it was going to go. And um, because it might turn out to be fun, because in the end, my solution turned out to be fun, something that I went back and did over and over again to get out of the street. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of times in life, when people are young and they first try to do something hard and it doesn't work out or it doesn't go exactly like they planned, they create an entirely different narrative around that story, which is I, I don't want to set these big goals anymore because it might turn not turn out like I planned.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the truth is it's always not going to turn out exactly like you planned. It's all about the story you wrap around it. <clears throat> and that was the big unlock for me from a life perspective is Nothing is anything until you decide to call it something, Mm. until you put a name on it. And I decided that that experience that many could have said was a very dangerous, bad experience that you shouldn't have done. I decided to call that a great experience that taught me to set big goals. And even if it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, it could still turn out just fine. And by being able to do that in life, it's given me a lot of, um, I think, uh, faith and um, fearlessness in some cases to just try something new, because as another chapter is named, I've gone through a lot of challenges and and opportunity and seeking out opportunities in my life based on what's the worst thing that can happen. <laughs> because so many times the worst thing that can happen is nowhere near what you that's probably going to happen. And it's, if you just yeah. keep pushing and keep rethinking the
0: narrative,
1: you create a different kind of story for your life.
0: That's such a powerful thing to get at, at a, as 11 year olds. You're just a child still. And to really have that be your first introduction into doing hard things and, oh, I can get through it. And it can be a different narrative, like you're saying. I know adults who are still just figuring that out now. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. To be to be that age and to see that perspective is huge. And you're right, it absolutely does follow you through a lot of big, interesting, creative decisions that you make. Um, you go to, you know, Belgium, you learn how to speak German, and you spend, you know, some time there. You go into New York, and I this is actually my, my favorite story so far is that you're like, I'm going to get into advertising after college. You're like, I'm going to get into advertising. I'm going to go to New York because that's where it's happening. Where else would I go? You've been working in Tennessee, but you're like, no, I'm going to go to the big city. And you line up all of these interviews and you talk about how it's, well, you almost have this like naivety about you that is so precious. And I really want to talk about the naivety of like going after what you want because you do, and you end up getting in a job at a huge ad agency because you basically asked for it. So tell that story, because I think it's really imperative to having this faith that you talk about absolutely, and just just asking for what you want.
1: Well, in that particular story, um, well, I, I do think that the the ability to to just go to New York knowing really no one probably does link back to the story of the Beech tree. Because again, that story is intrinsically tied to this idea that no matter what happens, I can figure it out. Right. That's, that's the basis of that stuck in a tree. It didn't go well, but I figured it out. I sat there and figured it out. And that's so when you believe that, that changes the filter that you use for almost every decision, even if it, so you're like, you're acknowledging that it might not go exactly right, but that's okay because I'll figure it out. Right. And going to New York and setting up all these interviews, though, a little more nuance to this was just and to the naivete that you speak about is Sometimes you truly do better when you don't know better. That's so true. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, there is a truth to beginner's luck. Yes. That that, that people speak of that because it happens. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it happens because people don't go in with the preconceived ideas, the nervousness, the I know all about this, the whether well, sometimes the dangers, sometimes the skill that's needed to achieve X, Y, and Z. Um, And it's because of the lack of that uh, impeding your ability to perform is why you do it with excellence. Mm -hmm. So the fact that I had clearly very little knowledge (laughs) of the odds of of succeeding with this outrageous idea that I could go to Manhattan in, in one week in 15 interviews, walk away with a job at a top 10 ad agency. (laughs) I mean, no one would do it. Yeah, I wouldn't have ever tried if I'd actually known the astronomical odds of that. But because I didn't, and I completely believed it was possible, it, by definition, changed my odds because of the way I approached it if that makes sense.
0: It does make sense. It does. I think that there is magic in that. You're absolutely right. The beginner's luck is just a way of calling it what it is. It's like you just, you want something. And I think sometimes not having all the information, you're right. Like just, it gives you a benefit. You go in, you play full out and you, you end up, you know, wowing your interviewer. Of course, tell, tell them about the, um, the offer that she gives you. Oh, so this is years HR. ago, right? So, <laughs> it's in a minute, but yeah, <laughs> but
1: um, but yeah. So, after all this, I do get this uh, call back to you know famous agency DDB Needham, and um, and I'm you know at this point I'm like wow I'm just I'm just right on the precipice of my dream coming true, and I walk into uh, the recruiter's office. And she says, well, we want to hire you for the D.D.B. Needham training program. Um, and the starting offer is twenty four thousand dollars a year. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm I'm sitting here thinking I'm well, I've already worked a year or so, you know, and these people are just out of school. And I, and I don't I still to this day can't tell you what overcame me. I, but I just blurted out twenty five. That I'm like, I'll take I it for it. 25. And um, and I thought, I have just what have I done? I mean, I really, I at the end that split second, it was this mixed energy of of I, you know, I had this in my hands and now I've pushed this, pushed the envelope. I don't really think she knew exactly what to do with me at <laughs> that point. I think I just caught her so off guard yeah. um that this young lady has come in. <laughs> she's negotiating the salary, um, but she did give it to me. And and then she says, you know, we'll call you in a couple of weeks and, you know, we'll send you the letter and we'll call you in a couple of weeks. And I'm like, let's just do it now. What's mm-hmm. keeping you from doing this right now? What else mm-hmm. could you possibly need to know?
0: She knew how for? to sell that. You just closed that deal. I, apparently, <laughs> I mean, it, it
1: still just strikes me as like hilarious looking back on it um but you know i i think that some of that had to do with me visualizing that moment so many times about in my mind how i wanted that to go and when it didn't go that way i instinctively changed course to make it go that way i really cannot explain it in any other fashion but that i had for over a year planned and schemed and dreamed and visioned and thought about what's going to happen in this moment when not if when I get my job in New York how am I going to do that and so in the clutch this just I there was no thinking this just came out I, I wasn't really contemplating I was following my mission Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess it came out with passion, which once again, I didn't realize and recognize the odds, but I was sincere and passionate and gave an argument about it. That made sense. I'd had more experience, um, and that not, not knowing better helped me do better. Um, but I think that in the end, maybe she could feel that energy of sincerity, um, I, I I can't actually explain it other
0: than that. I loved hearing you say it just blurted out because when I read that, that's how it felt to me. Like, no, this is my job and this is what I deserve. And, you know, I'm very spiritual. So like when I hear that, I'm like, oh, well, your higher self, your soul was like, no, this is what I'm worth. And I'm just going to say it. And your body was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. No, <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait, wait. But I but I love that that's what happened because that's what you wanted and that's what you had visualized for so long. What's so interesting is that that same thing kind of happened to me at one of the biggest jobs I ever had. Oh um, my, I, had to no. I It's very short, but um, I went in for an interview that I was so not qualified for with NBC Universal to be a producer and interview people, right? That's what I did for years, but it was the first job. And I went in completely like naive to what I should have had on my, you know, on my resume and my background. And I went in so confident. I was like, no, I can do this. Even the way I sat was extremely confident. And looking back, I'm like, why would you do that? But I got it. Like, I actually, I left with the job and I was like, that's right. And it's just like what you're describing. You just know you can do it. And there's no question in your mind that you can do it, so you just ask for it. Like, why not me? Why not this rate? Like, tell me. Right, so clearly I you were
1: not underqualified for that position.
0: Apparently I was not. But two, if I had known more going in, I would have been like, oh no, I shouldn't even put my resume in. I'm not even ready for it. But but I was, and I did great, but. Well, there's a lot of data
1: about that. And that, really? um, uh, there's a lot of data about uh, people, um, assessing their worthiness for a position um, and how we think about that worthiness. Uh, and it varies greatly uh, along gender lines.
0: Interesting. How, yeah. How is it? What's, what gender is more confident in this? <laughs> so, um,
1: yeah, the, the data, and it's in, it's in a book called The Confidence Code. Um, oh, I yeah, Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, they're wonderful. Um, and that data is uh, outlined in the book, uh, some, some research uh, that if say there's, um, you know, 10 or so uh, criteria for a job, um, it, oftentimes uh, the guys will think if they check the box on about uh, 50% of them, <laughs> they should apply for the job. Uh, And women have a much higher qualification standard. Um, And what's really ironic about that uh, is that if you check the box on every single aspect, aren't you already qualified for the next
0: job? I was just like, going to say, aren't you overly qualified? Yes, and then you
1: yeah. start this cycle of you probably don't get the position because you're overqualified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's—I I think that there is a there's a psychology in that that I think would be of great benefit for you know clearly if you decide that it's not your job to assess your worthiness within reason. Mm -hmm. It's their job. And if, you know, with now clearly we, there's gotta be some sort of dynamic of reality associated with applying for X, Y, and Z job, but within reason, you shouldn't be able to do everything. And it's really the confidence with which you are able to express, the certain areas of, of of challenge for you. So if they say, "Can you do this? Can you do this?" Well, I can do this, this, and this, and I can learn this, this, and this. Mm-hmm. Or I've I've experienced this. Is I, I believe that I have the technical skill on this, this, and this. But I'm really looking forward to mastering that, that, and that. I mean, that's a that's even a more exciting candidate than somebody that comes in and says, "Yeah, I already know how to do all this." So in the back of your mind, isn't the interviewer? Thinking well, are they ambitious or not?
0: Right, right.
1: So it's the irony of that you, the, the 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 sometimes the female candidate believing that they need to have every single aspect of that job mastered is actually what works against them in the hiring process.
0: Mm, that's powerful. That's really a good thing to remember because I'm. I'm listening and I've absolutely felt that way. Like, Oh, it's not worth it. I'll, I'll wait. I'll just, I'll come back when I'm more ready for it. Um, when, well, when I'm going to ask
1: you in that case, and this is what I encourage you know everyone to do. What's the worst thing that can happen?
0: Absolutely.
1: If anything, what's the worst you, thing that can happen? You don't, oh, you don't get the job. the job. Well, it's looks like you didn't have the job anyway. So really it was an hour out of your day.
0: Right. And something I heard just recently, whether it's an interview or an audition or whatever it is, it's practice. You're practicing the interview process. You're practicing. And I loved hearing that, even if you don't get the job. It's great. So I want to talk about when you worked at Mattel at the very beginning. Um, You worked with the Barbie line, which was something that was very near and dear to your heart. Same here. Loved Barbie. Still do. Um, And there was, in the very beginning of starting you were being very quiet at meetings. You weren't wanting to speak up, which is interesting because you clearly know how to speak up and you are very faith filled and you weren't because you were trying to learn. And when I read that, I thought, oh, I feel like I would do that too. Like, hey, I'm the newbie. I want to like learn the lay of the land. I want to be respectful. I just want to sort of absorb everything. And then I'll spit out ideas and tell them what happened because of that.
1: Well, I I think that first, I think that is fine in the very beginning, but I think I prolonged it. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) because um, that particular group uh, of 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 mostly women that were running Barbie at the time so dynamic, uh, so smart, so educated. I mean, you know, and not not because of them, but because of the way I perceived it, so intimidating. Mm. Um, they weren't trying to be intimidating. It just they were just wow, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, and you're like, should I, I don't know, you know, like yeah. anything? Is it time? Do it, should I talk? Should I talk? Um, and I did have um a mentor, a mentor of mine and, and still a, a dear, a dear friend of mine um who was many many layers senior to me then, um pull me over and and ask me, like, why are you? Talking? Why aren't you saying anything? It literally, I can see the wheels turning. We we hired you to contribute to this company and this brand. You have to talk. <laughs> and <laughs> you have to. And I I was, I, I think there was a little bit of the you know, the outsiders club, like how could I even be in this Barbie world? I don't, you know, a little bit of I'm I'm I I don't deserve that. I shouldn't even be here. The imposter syndrome, all of those things all piled together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what, what she was telling me is, you know, get over yourself. We hired you because we want you to be here in this clock. You are in the, you don't have to earn your way in anymore. You're yeah. already a part of who we are. You just have to participate that's why we want you here. We want to hear your point of view. And and I, I think I mentioned in the book that she unleashed something. <laughs> was, I think there were times where they're like, oh, why did we tell her that? No, but <laughs> ultimately, um, you know, I, I had such a, a terrific, so much, so much, it was such a great career at Mattel. I learned so much. It was such a fabulous time for Barbie. Um, and eventually went to the Disney business unit and had a chance to be an expat in Paris. And I, it was a terrific experience. And without that, if I never said anything, who knows if they would have even
0: kept me there. Uh, I think that the imposter syndrome and the feeling that you're not good enough, or do you deserve to be there is such a a woman-based feeling with business, we are still really kind of trying to overcome that. And, you know, you can hear the whole like boss, babe culture, hustle culture that, you know, talked about so much. But at the end of the day, I mean, we need to help support women. And that's why I love this interview so much because you are so strong and you have fought through so much. And you're just human too. You had those feelings too. You felt you know, intimidated by these incredible women who, again, it's like you want to work with someone who's just as good as as you, if not better. Let's go for better, right? We want to grow. Let's move forward into Build-A-Bear because this is a very special story. You started in 2013 and became president and CEO in 2016. And Build-A-Bear has taken a huge transformational change because of you. So tell me – First of all, I want to know why Build-A-Bear? What was it about the company that really spoke to your heart?
1: Oh, I think some of that's obvious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yes, obviously look at the bear. (laughs) Look at the bear.
1: (laughs) Well, I, you know, I I love uh, kids products or kids centric products. I love the youthfulness of that. I, I do, I learned to love retail uh, late in life, uh, running vertical retail. Um, I like the uh, direct relationship that you have with guests uh, in a vertical environment. Um, and, you know, I'd already spent quite a bit of time in the toy industry. Um, but what this brand means to people is really special. Uh, and teddy bears and stuffed animals were an important part of my childhood. And I know. That they're important to so many, and now we're you know we're beloved by not just kids, as you mentioned in the opening remarks, being 25 years old. Now we're beloved by people of all ages for all sorts of reasons, from collectors to comfort toys to gifting to birthdays. I mean, it's just amazing how fortunate this brand is to get to weave itself into the fabric of people's lives and their memories and their narrative. I love that, but we were still, you know, we were struggling in 2013. And although I appreciate the comment that on the because of me, but I might have been the impetus. But nothing happens without a team. Nothing happens without a strong strategy. Nothing happens without tenacity. Um, And you know that that was a big part of what we were able to harness to reinvigorate this business uh, in the midst of. a lot. These names are crazy. Like I couldn't. Like if I was making up names, I couldn't do better. The retail apocalypse and a global pandemic and Brexit and I mean, I like these are just.
0: It sounds like, stuff happened. It sounds like a movie plot, you know. It was. It's been a movie. We're still in a movie.
1: <laughs> but for the changes that we made, to understand that the power is in the love that people have for this brand, and that if we can. Just grasp that power and create a new business model around it that's more indicative of the way that today's consumers want to engage. Whether that's shifting our retail, physical retail, to places that more where family go goes where family goes for fun and entertainment today, mm-hmm. um, which is some are the a lot of malls that's still the case, but. That just the small kind of approach was not going to be as beneficial as it had been in the prior decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we are in you know everything from cruise ships to hospitality to restaurants to I mean uh, amusement parks, like right. where we are now where families go for fun and entertainment in a new way on the physical side, recognizing that we really needed to find a find a way. To participate in the digital economy, because that is most definitely where the consumer is leaning. Mm-hmm. So, we relaunched our website, created multiple types of uh, sub brands in the website, whether it's Bear Cave for an older consumer or our Heart Box for the gifting consumer, which is what you received with the the box. So cute. Um, or making an option where you can kind of build the bear uh, in in a, a digital way that virtually brings the bear to life and you go to the heart ceremony, which is called Build a Bear 3D, or in a more traditional, even super simple few clicks on a mobile site um, and get your collectible Harry Potter bear uh, very quickly. So we it was multi-dimensional. Uh, and then we recognized some other opportunities to move into different categories whether that's pajamas or even with some of our outbound licensing partners, things as, uh, uh, you know, as unconventional as pet toys or bicycles, Build-A-Bear branded bicycles. Right. And now we're in the content creation business as well. So yes. just it's a very broad range of what we've been able to do. And yes, uh, thank you for the mention we did in 2021, the year after the year of COVID is the most profitable year in the history of our company and actually just, uh, just reiterate, just actually, um, changed our guidance, increased our guidance, uh, for 2022 with the expectation of being one of the most successful, well, the most successful year in the company's history.
0: It's amazing. Um, I I love that you have spread and diversified so much and, and, spread it out so that it's like, oh my gosh, I love build bear And here's a build bear bike, you know, and like, it just makes sense. Like you said, you just went into content creation. I want to know more about Honey Girls. I don't actually know much about them, but I did read about them and was like, wait, what is this? So tell me about Honey Girls. Yeah. Well, first you have to
1: watch the film on Netflix because it's dive action. Um, and it stars Ashanti uh, and has uh, three Grammy Award winners in, in, uh, associated with the film. Julia Michaels, who is the um, music uh, producer, and Mark Milan, who wrote the songs for Ashanti. And Ashanti yourself is a Grammy Award winning artist. So um, really excited. And the three girls who play the Honey Girls, so super talented. Truly just wow um, when you watch them together. Um, but this... Um, this entire construct around creating our own intellectual property um, started many years ago uh, where we recognized that uh, Build-A-Bear has a lot of great licensed relationships. I mentioned Harry Potter, but you know, also with Star Wars, and Disney characters, we have so many deep-seated licensing relationships that are often tied to um, Film, films, or episodics, or things that come out, but that's great, and we're able to appeal to a really broad audience and create tremendous uh, relationships and marketing approaches with these with the companies that we've been in business with for years and years. But then, what we had was a store experience, but not stories and characters mm-hmm. within our own uh, world mm-hmm. um, that people knew. We have. Two characters that kind of show up all the time—they're me and Paulette in their outfits. Um, they're they're costumed. Well, no, they're real, real characters. <laughs> okay. that, scratch that. They're real. They're real nice. <laughs> um, they come to our stores on occasion. Um, that, but they don't have backstories, and there's no you know kind of storyline that goes along with them. They they're just a part of our company, mm-hmm. um, and we we were. Thinking like a lot of intellectual property companies, that we should create our own stories and our own um, characters uh, that are sub brands of Build a Bear. Honey Curls was one of the first ones one, uh, one that we did. Was, was it the first one? I think it was that because that particular segment of our consumer, that slightly older girl, when we say older, we mean not a preschooler. Um, was, you know, really into, we know what they like because we get all this, you know, data, um, these bright colors and the music and um, the contests and things like that. But we wanted to make sure that everything that we do is true to our mission, which to add a little more part to life. And that means our content as well. So it was really important to me when we started to create this storyline that this did not fall into what has sort of become the classic genre of mean girls or something where the story the girls are in competition with each other. So we set it up so that the girls were all very talented uh, singers or musicians and that they all entered a contest, but what they figured out is that they would be better together. That they would actually change their odds of winning the contest if they could find a way to work as a band. Oh. Um, and so that's the underlying driver of this. But the contest what didn't, doesn't allow them to do this. So there therein lies the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, but they the but the the drive for them and what they were willing to sacrifice to be better together and to have each other's backs is is really precious.
0: I love that. I love that storyline for young girls. It, we need to start teaching them at a young age that, yeah, we yes. are better together and girl power and that we aren't competing with each other. We're trying to lift each other up and fix each other's crap. I love that right so we um, you know we fold that into
1: you know the sort of classic everything that that girl that age loves which is music and dancing and fun and contests and being together Um, and that kind of you, you you kind of don't see that one coming I love um, but we we've, we've gotten a lot of just amazing uh, reviews. Um, it it was it's been really fun. And we um, one of the interesting things too is that when they were created for the Build a Bear workshop, they were in animal form, which was a, a tiger, a bear, and a bunny. Um, and we had to come up with a storyline of how to then bring that kind that that backstory into the live action film, which is also uh, a pretty fascinating and really rich and deep um, approach.
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. And you have one other movie that you're doing with Hello Sunshine, which is Reese Witherspoon's production company. I'm a big, big fan of Hello Sunshine. been a big fan of those for years. Um, they make amazing content. This is going to be a new Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but there's a new spin on it. Do you want to talk yeah. about
1: that? Yeah, it's reimagined and it, it does have, you know, it's going to have a strong female lead um, and it will be full of uh, some twists and turns. Um, pretty exciting. But we have other films, too. We've been in business with Hallmark. Um, we have two Hallmark films out. Also, um, some very strong female leads in the both of those stories. One is called Christmas CEO, uh, oh well, here we go. <laughs> yeah, loosely based on
0: some things I might have done in my life, um, <laughs> guys. Christmas, let's watch it right now, <laughs> right
1: now. And then the other, the the other one too. The prior year is also a holiday film, um, and then we have our documentary that will be coming out uh, next year.
0: Yeah. Well, I do love me a documentary. So, you know, documentary, Yeah, it's,
1: um, it's directed by Taylor Morton, a award-winning documentarian. And it chronicles the uh, the story of Build-A-Bear all the way to the current day. And, uh, and some of the things that I mentioned early on.
0: Amazing. My last question is your book is Stories and Hearts and Build-A-Bear is all about hearts. When you have followed your heart, throughout your life and you've done it so much and it's led you to such a beautiful place. What is the most important thing that you want to share about following your heart to others? Oh,
1: wow. Um, I think in all seriousness, you have to get in touch with your heart to follow it. And that takes a lot of work. Um, that's not something that we as humans just can wake up and do. Um, there's a lot of noise in the world and a lot of people and things and media telling you what is or isn't. And sometimes the, the people that love you the most that are telling you what is or what isn't, mm-hmm. but you have to choose your journey. And that's the only way uh, that it really starts to get uncannily meaningful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it, but that requires, again, work. And when I say work, I'm talking about not I'm going to work harder at this. I'm talking about looking deep inside and being the very best person that you can be and recognizing what that means and, um, and that you're willing to bring people along with you and that we're all in this together, and we're all connected. And when when that when all of that starts to click, um, being able to follow your heart is a lot easier. Now, along the way, I created different kinds of mechanisms to help me with that, including my price values, where I created a lot of words about what I wanted to be when I grew up when I was still in college yeah. and I based it on my last name uh, at the time price. Is price yeah. um, so, you know, perseverance and respect and and to make choices with intelligence and do things where I'm always pushing on my creative side and that I, whatever I do, I want to have, I want to do it with excellence. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of mechanisms and tools help you have guardrails on your path, but Uh, At the end of the day, you will you can get to a place where you deeply know whether this or that is the right path or not. And then you just don't waste a lot of time out on the edges.
0: I love that. I think it is just that simple, too. Thank you so much, Sharon, for coming on. It was just lovely to talk to you. You guys go get her book. It's coming out soon. I'm going to let you tell me when it's coming out. <laughs> it's- yeah, it is coming out January the 17th. It is available for
1: pre-order right now on amazon.com. And I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to do something really quickly here. And I'm going to share another piece of intellectual property with you, which is Glisten, um, because Glisten has... Um, her own movie coming out too, Listen to the Merry Mission. We just announced this for Christmas 2023. And I forgot to mention it when we were talking about intellectual property, but, <laughs> but she's so pretty. She's so pretty. She's so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> and she's all about following her heart too. She's about faith.
0: I love it. Oh my gosh. I feel so warm and fuzzy. This has just been so lovely talking to you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the great questions. Thank you for reading my book.
0: I love it. I can't wait to finish it. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl, the podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore.